You know, uh, Father Martin, uh, if you recall, I made it uh, a pilgrimage. Uh, I, I went to the Vatican. Yes. And I went to the Sistine Chapel, and I did all the things that one does. And, and by the way, uh, Father, it was very interesting. When we arrived at the Vatican, mm -hmm. uh, there was a massive, massive crowd there. And we were kind of looking around saying, wow, look at all the people. What in the world is going on? And somebody turned around and said, you mean you don't know? Uh, the Pope's going to be here in five minutes. <laughs> and so we got to watch and listen to the Pope, which I thought was uh, quite a treat. That was just uh, very lucky. Uh, just lucky, if you want to call that luck, yes. Um, true. Good point. Then we went to the Sistine Chapel. And though we did not get an opportunity to go to the labyrinths, uh, Beneath the Vatican, uh, Father, I must tell you, the Sistine Chapel is in itself something of a labor. Oh, it is. It is. <laughs> I, I, you can, I, I have lain on my back looking at the ceiling for hours, after hours, when I could do that, just looking at the ceiling. I fully understand. I fully understand. You come out of there, uh, out of this long labyrinth, uh, with a crook in your neck because you've been looking up all the way. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but here's what was really unusual, Father. Um, my wife is a Catholic, as you know, mm -hmm. Ramona, and um, w the, as soon as we walked into the Sistine Chapel, the first thing we saw was this gigantic globe, and yeah. you know what was on the globe? Uh, it had all 12 signs of the Zodiac. That's right. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I, I was so amazed that I had Ramona stand there and point to her birth sign on the globe, and I took a photograph and put it up on the website. It's up there right now. And I was going to come home and ask you, what in the world is something astrological doing in the Vatican? Well, actually, art is a historical fact that several popes over several centuries always kept an astrologer. Really? Oh, yes. Uh, and the astrologer was noted for his Catholicism. It was always a man. And, um, and they consulted him about the affairs of state, whether it was advisable to do this, to that, to the other. Really? For, year, for hundreds of years. Oh, now, yes. somehow I'm a little lost here, Father, because I always thought that the only person a pope would, would consult with yeah. would be God in prayer and that the influence of the planets wouldn't enter into it well not with Casal I know strictly speaking one would expect that but they, they they considered it a one way which God would advise them to do things a wise Catholic astrologer who would be studying the movement of the planets uh, and would see in the conjunction or the separation or the rearrangement of the planets, yes. an indication of favorableness for this move or that move on the part of the Holy Father. No kidding. Yep. Do you know that tonight as we speak, eight planets are in alignment? Yes, I was told that. I haven't got out to look at them because I really have something else to do. Uh, uh, much less present than watching the planets because I'm terribly interested in the stars. But I would love to see them. That is, that is um, absolutely remarkable. Now, what is the, the modern... Uh, church's attitude with regard to astrology? It depends on the modern churchman. The, the, certainly the present Holy Father does not consult, uh, has not got and does not consult astrologers. Um, the, it, there is nothing inherently against Catholic teaching or Catholic faith, 
in astrology provided that you uh, see it all beneath the hand of God. Because, uh, the, the, again, the Catholic doctrine is that God can manifest his will and tell you what to do in your life through various material happenings. And one of them is the arrangement of the planets. Mm -hmm. So it, it, there's nothing against faith. What is, would be against faith is one placed all one's trust in that and uh, relied on that to be the deciding factor about life and death. And that's what it that nevertheless seems to be a very liberal interpretation, yes, partic it is. particularly for uh, popes of, of many years ago. I know, for hundreds of years, Art. Hundreds of years, literally. Certainly, you could say that between, um, say, as a cliche date, 1200 and the middle of the 1600s, it was very common. Very common. <laughs> Well, then I think the, uh, the church is to be applauded for not erasing history that perhaps today it would not rather recall. That's right. That's right. And actually, yeah, they don't emphasize it nowadays at all. And besides, you see, nowadays uh, astrology has become the, the purview of uh, people who, who don't believe in God, at least according to the Catholic faith anyway. So they emphasize it less. And then there have been abuses of astrology, of course. Um, there, there are stories and novels and books and real uh, factual histories about people who consulted the stars and therefore decided to go and assassinate somebody or to steal something. Sure. So that's where it goes over the edge. But as a means of knowing God's will, no, some folks wouldn't travel without their astrologer. Oh, uh, that's really, that's really an amazing not travel without <laughs> Um, all right. It's then, surprising, Art. There's no doubt about that. In, indeed. Uh, and then, then there were um, a couple of other things that struck me and will be with me for all of the rest of my life. Mm. I, I think, no, I believe in God, Father. Sure. But I am skeptical about things that I can't touch and prove. I can't help it. Yeah. Uh, sure. However, while I was there, I also got to go to Bethlehem, and Jerusalem. Ah, I, I saw, yeah, and I saw the exact place where Christ was born ah. and where uh, the final crucifixion took place. And I must tell you that along with my experience in uh, North Africa, I, yes. I, there are almost not words to describe the difference between talking about it, hearing about it all your life in Sunday school, early in Sunday school, but then suddenly being there and being in that spot, and you know that you are, you really, really know, and I can't even convey in words. I know you can't, and nobody can, Arden. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, there's no way you can tell it, but there's some, there's something in that place. Oh, in boy. Those places. Oh, boy. Is there ever. Yeah. And you know, Art, look at it in broad level for the moment. Take a even a broader view of it. If you go and visit the battlefield of Waterloo, Belgium, right. or the Alamo in uh, Texas. Sure. Something grips you there. Some of the same sort of feeling, but not nearly as strong. Oh, no, it's not nearly as, as awesome. Awesome as the word. Um, awesome. I guess that's the best word you can come up with, but I really haven't found words to convey to my audience, and I really have tried. Yeah, I'm sure you have. <laughs> so I was, uh, it was, it was an amazing. If you couldn't do it, it means it's rather difficult. I see you are a master of words. 
There really are some things that words, there, there are not words for. That's right. They, they go beyond. The feelings are too deep. And the experience is too real. Uh, human word. It just, it's, it's like, it, it drives something right through you. Uh, and I, I'm going to leave it at that because I really can't explain it. So, um, so okay. anyway, that was incredible. But uh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you saw those places. Then after I called you the other day, Father, yes. and found out uh, happily you were not dead, mm -hmm. the next night, uh, it was, I think it was, uh, I think it was Sunday, yes. on, on uh, 60 Minutes, uh, lo and behold, yes, they put a picture of your book, Hostage to the Devil, on the screen in connection with a story they ran. That's right. And Dr. Olson. And Dr. Olson. I think I had given you the first news of that, and I'll bet lots of other people have talked about it since. Since, but you were the first. <laughs> you were the first to tell me about it. <laughs> and I, I, my eyes popped out in the place when I saw it. All right, to give everybody some sort of uh, background, uh, this is with regard to a 60-minute story about a lady with multiple personality disorder, um, a Wisconsin woman, um, who went to a doctor, and uh, the doctor said she had 126 different personalities, distinct and different personalities, over many years. He treated her, Dr. Kenneth Olson, and the allegation is that he hypnotized her and that he actually put these personalities into her, including the bride of Satan, teenage boys, you name it. She had it. It cost hundreds of thousands of dollars in insurance money hypnosis again and again and again over years and years and years and then finally culminating in this psychiatrist performing an exorcism I know, I know. They said based on your book a uh, hostage to the devil. Right, using the formula put in the, in the back of that book. And uh, by the way, uh, he thought I guess that it was a success that it uh, had successfully exorcised her uh, and so there's a lot of legal battling and uh, lawsuits pending and so forth and so on uh, over all of this. But I thought I would try and get your reaction to that. Well, I'll tell you my reaction, Art, is this. It's, and don't be very surprised at this. My reaction is great fear for the safety of Dr. Olson. And I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. um, the essence of ignorance performing an exorcism is a clash between the exorcist and the demon allegedly possessing somebody who is to be exorcised. Yes. And it's not a, simply a prayer, and it's not simply a blessing. It is an actual clash. It's like a conversation. battle. Conversation. Like a battle. Yeah. And... You can only do that according to the, the theory, the belief. You can only do that with immunity because you're facing, allegedly, according to faith, you're facing an archangel, albeit a fallen archangel, called Lucifer. And uh, that archangel has uh, an intellect and resources far beyond anything any human being commands. And in order to tussle with him, tangle with it, or him, or it, whatever we want to call it, because he has no gender, in order to do that, you have to have the authority to say, 
What is your name? Why are you here? When did it start? I can get out. And in order to do that, you have to have permission. And that's why we always counsel people, uh, never on their own back, to tangle with anything really demonic. Because if you do, you're going to lose. And uh, if, if, I, if, I, if I could talk, which I can't on account of uh, privileged communication, I could tell uh, very, very scary and awesome stories, uh, frightening stories about psychiatrists who did try and exorcise without any authority and became possessed themselves. Oh, really? Yeah. They, I mean, they, they tackled an enemy far stronger than they with no immunity, no authority. Well, remember in past shows, Father, people have called and said, I have done exorcisms, lay yes. people, lay people. Yeah. And you have said, yes, it is possible. It is possible. But possible. apparently very dangerous. It's very dangerous, and I don't know what, with what authority they did it. I do know one Lutheran pastor um, who has authority from his church and successfully exorcises. Uh, it is a very rare thing. You see, the, the only proof is that this, the person uh, in question is completely healed. Completely healed. And art, let me tell you, there is no healing more peaceful, more lovely, more joyous, more confident, more human than the healing of somebody by exorcism. It is so beautiful. It's like a sunrise and a calm upland meadow after a devastating hurricane. Well, the people who would defend the doctor, I'm sure, would say that he did this as a final resort. Oh, yes, I'm sure. I'm How, sure. However, his detractors would say he's the one who put the 126 different well, personalities into her in the first place. Yes, the reality is something else. And as you know, uh, you're a very well-read man and a studied man in this matter. The whole theory of MPDs, multiple personality disorder, yes. is very much for the psychiatric community, very much up in the air. Oh, very much. Uh, yes, uh, the, the suggestion being that under hypnosis, uh, these are induced by, that's right. by, by the psychiatrist. That's right. And we do know nowadays, especially since the end of the Second World War, and the, the transport of uh, Hitler's uh, mind control experts to this country. Yes. We do know now that programming can be very deep and very effective and can really achieve what... Remember that book, The Manchurian Candidate? Of course. It can achieve that, and we do use it. Uh, Father, I want to ask you uh, what, uh, what they call the big question here uh, that I've worked up. Uh, how do you know... I, Father, I take it you have probably done more exorcisms than anybody else in this country. Is that... I, I don't know. I really don't because it's a, it's a very compartmented trade, if I can put that. Trade. Yeah, right. Very compartmented profession. You don't communicate. I've just come across uh, a marvelous exorcist who's been functioning in a certain area of the Midwest, and I never knew he existed. Um, it's just we didn't overlap. Understood. We never overlap. So it's like, not talked about a lot, really. No, it's not. You don't communicate very much because laws of privacy govern everything in this matter because uh, nobody who has 
genuinely been possessed and genuinely been cured ever wants anybody to know about. Okay, well, that's that's really where my question goes. Now, uh, apparently, the allegation is this woman had these personalities inserted into her through hypnosis. How do you delineate? How do you know that some of the people that you have not performed exorcisms on are not people who have been victims of this induced MPD? It's one of the things we have been alerted to from, from the mid-70s part because we, we came across uh, very accurate information about the programmers that do exist, that do exist then and do exist today. And we formed criteria, uh, principles by which to judge that. And it, it, it's not a simple matter, but it can be done. And more than once, I have dismissed people who applied for exorcism, saying, no, 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 there's no exorcism here at all. Who's your psychiatrist? Hmm. Or who's your psychologist? Or who's your whatever, your guru, your channel, or whatever it was. One would presume that usually prior to coming to somebody like yourself, mm. people would have been to a psychiatrist or two or three. Usually they come to a psychiatrist, actually. A psychiatrist would write to you and say, Dear Father Martin, dear Dr. Martin, look, I have a patient, blah, 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 blah. And uh, he or she, here's the etiology of it all. Would you have a talk with them? Without discussing, without discussing uh, specific cases, Father, yes. how many times have you uh, begun to investigate a possible exorcism and then rejected it? Um, seven out of ten cases. Seven out of ten? Yep. Because, you see, uh, there's also the question of uh, disease. Uh, some people, for instance, with Latourette syndrome are used to be confused with possession. Yes. And Latourette syndrome is just has a lot of the behaviorisms of possessed people, but it's not possession. And then there's consciousness chorea, and then there are forms of schizophrenia, um, uh, phases of schizophrenia. There are yes. schizophrenia, but not uh, possession. And then, by the way, there are, there are forms of possession that are very like schizophrenia, and the demon hides behind the schizophrenic manifestations. Well, that's, that's even worse. Yeah, it is. There's a double family there. So you've got to undo all that. And you can only undo all that if you have authority. You can't just do it because you say, well, okay, now tell me what the truth. Are you there or not? It's nothing like that. It's a far more... Are you, are, you, are you allowed to discuss the tests? Yes. Yes, the tests are the... <laughs> If you want to start at the beginning, first of all, you, you, you ensure that there's nothing physical, that there's no, there isn't a tumor in the brain, there isn't a, a, a transgenerational insanity, there isn't alcoholism, there sure. isn't a drug addiction. You, you must assure yourself of all those things. And if there is, is it, is it masking something else? Or is it simply that alone? You've got to, first of all, you must check them physically. They must be checked physically. Uh, because they're all the physical manifestations out. And then, having done that, you um, check them psychologically. Not by psychoanalysis exactly, but competent psychologists must uh, examine them, talk to them, um, examine them anyway, even if they can't talk to them. Sometimes they refuse to talk. 
they must make up their minds if uh, it's uh, some form of psychosis or neurosis or something psychological or something that's indefinable and that uh, has no explanation in the, in the diagnostic manual for psychiatry. In that case, then, the, the, the attitude is, okay, uh, let's try exorcism. And then you start off formally into exorcism. And that means then talking to the person in question or to the people who know them, if it's a child uh, or a young person or a husband or a wife, people who know them and finding out how they've lived and where it started and what happened and what distresses people, why they come to you, what is the psychiatrist said. If, if they come to a psychiatrist, usually the psychiatrist will tell you what he or she has found out about them and say, this is the baffling thing about it and this is why I would turn to you on a religious plane rather than on a psychoanalytic plane or psychological plane or psychiatric plane. Uh, and therefore you, you eliminate, you eliminate uh, possibilities of disease, physical disease, and you eliminate the possibility of hoax, and you eliminate the possibility of uh, something to do with uh, uh, insanity or uh, psychological uh, irregularity of some kind or other. Okay, but once all of that is gone, and then, then you make an appointment to start your exorcism. And um, it, it, it actually, Art, once you start into something like that formally, having arranged everything in the usual way, and I can describe that in a few sentences to you, within 10 minutes or 20 minutes, you know if you're dealing with possession. That quick? Oh, yeah. Um, 
and the, 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 you see, we, we humans as such, we are inclined to, not try it exactly, but we're inclined to be very fascinated by some intellectual problem, and we can be lulled into accepting a situation where we, we, we become, we, we fall under the influence of uh, a superior intellect because usually, not always, but usually the demon has a superior mind compared to ours. Usually. Usually. Well, that really must make you think several times as you go into an exorcism. Um, it does. Because it does. You, 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 it is possible, and it's happened, hasn't it, Father, that uh, exorcists have gone in and haven't come out. They've died. They've, that's right. They haven't, they, they've come out of it and died. Or they haven't come out of it and they've died. Or they've come out of it possessed. And possessed in a very, very pathetic way. I mean, worn out, useless. Uh, what generally is it when, when that occurs? Um, what does the church do? Well, once upon a time when church men, bishops in other words, and uh, uh, the, the, the prelates of the church, when they really... Uh, were in charge of this because nowadays they're not. A lot of them don't believe in it at all. But when they had a regular uh, system and a method of uh, taking care of this aspect of life, um, they generally gave them very easy jobs as parish priests or in institutes to make it easy because these men, after, there's no doubt about it that they, they were they they lost their lives. So the church took care of them for the rest of their yes, lives. It was very mild and compassionate with them. And uh, and today, today, well, today, first of all, there are far fewer exorcists than ever before. But in a lot of dioceses, for instance, in Detroit, in the diocese of Detroit, there is no formal exorcist mm. at all. So if you want to have an exorcism in that area, you have to go to the, 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 the cardinal, is the cardinal in charge, and say, listen, Bishop so-and-so of such and such a diocese has an exorcist, mm -hmm. may he come in and do it, because he can't do it in somebody else's diocese unless he has authority and permission. And it becomes very awkward then. Sometimes the bishop says no. Sometimes the bishop says yes. Sometimes the answer is very peculiar. Sometimes a bishop who is not respected very much for his Catholicity is quite willing to experiment. Hmm. It's very funny. You never know what's going to happen. So, it's, so it's, it could be in this day and age, Father, that a um, a priest who would perform an exorcism and would come out of it basically a vegetable would yeah. be would not be taken care of by the church. No, would not be taken care of. His family takes care of him, or he goes to a home, or I know one or two who ends up in state farms. Hmm. It's a grim affair. It's a grim affair nowadays. All right, I've got something I need to ask you about. What's that? I do a lot of different things on the air, sometimes foolish things. <laughs> I doubt.